0: and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today, I will be speaking about prioritizing primary problems and finding audacious solutions. (laughs) What's wrong with a little alliteration? We are, in fact, beauty-making and uh, poetry-making and pun-making beings. So it only makes sense to uh, include a little alliteration in the name of today's show. Uh, And in fact, you know, this is something that we are all organizing in one way or another in our own minds as we wake up literally every day looking out at the world and seeking to make sense of it. Out there and in here, and coming up with some kind of <clears throat> understanding, some kind of organizing principle, even in the midst of our daily activities, our daily tasks, chores, jobs, things that we need to do for our own veritable survival. And uh, so that's how pressing these questions really are inside our being. So I thought what best to speak of today on a rainy Sunday afternoon here in New York City. I don't know what it's like in other parts of the world right now where in some places people are listening such as the Philippines and I believe Taiwan as far away as those beautiful places. And uh, all the way to South Africa, <clears throat> South America, parts of Europe. I'm so pleased to say we have listeners from there, all these places, and Canada. So Australia, mm, just wonderful, just wonderful. So a hello to y'all from all these different parts of our beautiful world. So I imagine that whether you are waking up in New York City or you're waking up in South Africa or you're waking up in Manila, there are thoughts about what's this whole thing about? Or as the old film said, going back, before my time, I'd say, uh, what's it all about Alfie um, with Twiggy? Does anyone remember that in this audience? Well, Or you can see it anytime, I'm sure, on Netflix or YouTube or some fun place, but it was a real classic at the time. So that's what has emerged. What's it all about, Alfie? And I think that we're wise to ask that question. We want to know how our own operating system works, to borrow an analogy from today's uh, computing world. And we also want to know how the outer world works according to what laws, what principles, and of course we have physics and quantum physics to help us explain that. Sometimes it gets a bit complex. That's okay. We're all subject to the same rules, laws, and the like principles. But I'm going to take a bit of a deeper dive into some of the specifics that I think that we all want to really kind of grapple with because whether we have come to an understanding of our own very existential moment, our ontology if you will, the nature and reality of our own being in three dimensions or four or five or twelve God knows we should continue to press forward in a deeper understanding and awareness of what the answers to that and those may be, what is the nature of consciousness, in other words, my God, what perhaps one of the finest questions we can ask and as they say, in the asking is the answer Uh, we get this uh, sort of immediate understanding because the brain is churning away at understanding and solving the problem because that's what it does. That's what the brain is designed to do. In its effort to keep us alive, it needs to resolve tensions. And asking a question is actually deliberately setting up a tension between self and solution if you will, or answer to the question. And then we live inside that question until it's answered. And that's actually a very powerful point. Uh, One of my dear friends and colleagues the other night at the New Life Expo, where we had a panel discussion among us members of FIONS, we members, excuse me, FIONS standing for the Friends of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, Dr. Ron Friedman, poses the question and described the importance of posing questions, that the posing of them is itself a profound moment in awareness and following where the mind goes. He didn't say this part exactly, but one can find follow where the mind goes upon asking and posing the question. There's this inner interesting inner energy, if you will, while the brain, as I said, churning away, is seeking to answer it, and the mind can, by our choice, remain rather calm and soft and easy and tranquil and clear. Kind of interesting. One part churning, another point gentle, calm, and clear. (laughs) Maybe even thoughtless. Maybe truly without thought, indeed. Well, that, that is its own really interesting inquiry and query and one that we are, of course, asked to, I could say, even um, led to uh, want to ask and uh, go down that path. But for today, I am going to hit upon something that has more <clears throat> relative in the Buddhist sense of an absolute reality and a relative reality, I'm going to stick today primarily, I should say, to the problems presented that need to be prioritized for our actual survival living on the planet. Now, I know we don't really think about survival as a word, as a reality, that much these days because we're so cozy <clears throat> Excuse me, in our lifestyles of ease to some varying extents I should say, electricity, refrigerators storing food, money with which to buy food or even seeds to grow them, our lives these days in comparison to yesteryear is really comfortable, leisurely, and cozy. It's kind of funny. And as a result, we have lost touch with some of the realities of survival as people are closer to the earth, you could say, including, I don't mean just agriculturally um, or culturally, but even economically. The more the question of survival is is high, the comes tantamount at times. So this is what we're looking at and I say that people of any social or economic class if they are attentive to
1: reality are really
0: looking at survival as something that we all have to reckon with. Yes, some are buffered and cushioned more than others. True enough. But the reality is the reality and anybody could walk out onto the street any day and get hit by a car or a bus or be flying in an airplane and things do happen. Not to mention not just injuries or so-called accidents but just our own health can all of a sudden fail us or we go to a hospital God forbid, and need treatment. Well, hospitals are just notorious uh, places for getting ill or iller, as it were, if you went in even just semi-ill, and there is the phenomenon of iatrogenic illnesses or fatalities, uh, which are happening literally daily across this country, and truly no doubt across the world. So, while they are originally purported to be places of healing, um, and sometimes in fact they are, uh, they also have this other counter aspect to them and uh, it's got to be taken seriously. So, But moving right along I want to kind of move into this notion of priorities that the title of today's show referenced. So Stepping back and looking out, uh, I'd say that, and of course I invite any of you to uh, call in if you'd like and uh, weigh in with your views, and I should give you the number, 602-753-1860. That's 602-753-1860. This was a last-minute scheduling, so I doubt if any of you even know at this moment that this is being aired Uh, and also because I know that 99% of people are listening as a podcast afterward at your own leisure and God bless you. Enjoy it when it works for you. But just in case there are those out there who are listening uh, live and would want to weigh in, you're truly welcome to. So let me revert to the list of priorities. Personal health and safety. Family health and safety. Friend slash community health and safety. All of these are usually on a pretty local level. Just speak very locally. Your own personal health becomes the generator for everything else. And if you ain't got it, you in trouble, just the way it is. So personal health and well-being, which of course is a large measure of what A Better World Foundation is all about. Personal health is the game to play that involves the way we see the world the way we see ourselves the way we act in the world our attitude, our sense of purpose what it is that gives us meaning and staying right along that track of what feeds us spiritually, energetically then of course there's the world of physical food and physical water for other types of nourishment. And please note the order in which I put these things. It's not by mistake. Uh, Our emotional health, how we feed ourselves and nourish ourselves emotionally with love, truly of self, which is actually, the higher you go up in understanding, not distinct from love of what is now referred to, relatively speaking, as other. So uh, love, the experience of love, and it is an all-inclusive way I'm speaking about it here, global in a sense, and beyond even that, universal. That's truly a vibration that we want to be embodying and when we allow it to be reflected in ourselves, toward ourselves, then wow, it's a party, man. It's a party. And it's very important because one of the ways that we understand what love is uh, when we go beyond the rather very local and somewhat narrowed perspective of love being simply romantic love, which is one of the most brilliant and delicious of all loves by no means is love limited to that it's just not and I don't want to call it a limitation but you could call it a subset um, not a very poetic way of putting it but I think you understand what I mean a subset of the larger larger universality of love uh, there is agape um, this is more of an unconditional love. There is uh, bhakti, which of course comes from Vedanta and that aspect, one of the limbs of yoga, bhakti yoga and that's uh, very much having to do with devotion. These are all, you could say, different types of love, different, different tonalities and I think it's valuable to us as humans to appreciate the distinctions between the different types while embracing the largesse of universal love. So, with that said, we're recognizing that there are many different types also of nourishment. And while most people think of health as physical health, and that nourishment is primarily physical food, I'm broadening that thought to embracing these higher dimensions, if you will, of energetic food and nourishment. After all, in physical food, what is it that we are seeking? We're seeking the energy of the food. The food is the carrier or the vehicle, um, the inducer slash transducer, if you will, of energy. That's really what the transaction is and transmission is about. So to simply list that as numero uno for health is thinking only physical health. As we know, our physical health is being influenced all the time, literally all the time by our energy field, by our, our thoughts, by our feelings, by our emotional state. Uh, by our environment, uh, by of course there is a role then for our genetic makeup. Sure, that's a component of the whole larger, holistic, gestaltic reality of our health, sustainability, and well-being. All of which is really what a better world lives for. You know, I like quoting Orner Earhart one of the great unsung heroes of our society, except for his inner circle who recognizes his true brilliance. And he said many years ago in a workshop I was taking with him that health is a function of participation. Our participation in life is the something that gives us meaning and a sense of drive, ambition, and purpose. So if we do not have that sense of purpose and meaningful action, then what's the point, Alfie? Bring Alfie back into the picture. You know, so I really want to emphasize that. There are people with the lousiest of physical food diets who lead lives of brilliant purpose, ambition, meaning, and fulfillment, who are contributing to society and contributing to community and to others all day long, and actually live into their 80s and their 90s, and sometimes their 100s. So, calling physical food the progenitor of health is Not, I don't think, right on. And, do we want to eat healthily, physical, healthy food? You betcha! You betcha! We want to have a strong and robust immune system. We want to have an incredible, well-flowing circulatory system, a finely pumping heart, a fine-tuned nervous system, lymphatic system, you betcha. Musculoskeletal? Chi? hi So, how do we maintain an understanding that there actually is a hierarchy here, um, but physical, as I'm saying, not the top? Yet it appears to be and our physical vehicle is carrying in some way the others although I heard a woman on my vibrational healing panel the other night, a very interesting woman who does a lot with sound healing say, the mind isn't in the body, the body is in the mind. <laughs> and I think that this is really very true in so many respects. It's uh, it's one of those, um, what do you call it, the cosmic tensions, if you will. And uh, It's a, um, a certain paradox. Uh, kind of almost a koan in a way. Anyway, not to get too deep down that rabbit hole, let's come back up. Um, So I've outlined different types of nourishment. Deep sleep, so important. Deep, theta, delta waves. This is where we are regenerated on all levels again. Our dream lives, our physical, vegetative nature. Our liver, our kidneys, our spleen, blood, everything is getting regenerated. We're sloughing off old cells on and on. Dead cells, I mean. So these are the obvious things. After that, we have to look at planetary health. You can't have a healthy body on a polluted planet. It just doesn't work. It's a continuum, folks. So when people ask me what business I'm in sometimes, I say personal and planetary health. Well, can you really do both? Well, if you don't do both, if you're not involved with both, you're not involved in either because they're one and the same. Really, they are a continuum, one of the other. This is our local body. The other is our larger one, but it is truly one. And the more we can regard the so-called ecosystem that way, Mother Nature, of which we are simply a byproduct, (laughs) funny to think about, but true, an evolutionary byproduct, Um, we uh, will be better off because we're recognizing other in self and as self. And, uh, if we want to take care of ourselves, doggone it, we've got to also take, of, take care of her. And, of course, that's why we think the way we do here at a Better World. Along the way, we need, once we have planetary health and preservation, which means never even uh, getting to a point of something we would refer to as global warming or heavy pollution you just wouldn't do it. If we had the consciousness I was just describing before the last, whatever, few hundred years, we wouldn't be in this hot water quite literally as we are today. But no, we think of self and we think of self-preservation at the expense of, at the cost of other and this whole idea of every man for himself is just one of the most contorted and distorted ideas around rugged individualism. Where did this come from? Well we we could trace that, you know, sociologically and historically another time. Let's not take our precious time now to do so because other cultures, especially in the East, but not at all only, indigenous cultures always have this sense of clan of tribe, of family, of group, of community. It's just the way it is. And the idea of individual while still there too is not prominent. It's not the prevalent conceptual ideology, if you will, of how to move forward. People move together in groups of one form, shape, or another. So that's a consciousness that is slowly making its way westward, and the sooner the better. So I think I made that point. Then once you have a sense of uh, personal health extending to the planet, planetary health extending to the self, (laughs) and preservation of both, then you can move into more of the space of how do we get along? fair play among members of the same our species. And so that's intra-fair play, intraspecies species fair play. And then there's inter-species fair play. Be good to the other species. If you do need to kill them for your own survival, do it with love and respect. And as I was starting to say earlier, and I realize I dropped that thread, is this notion of universal love contains within it, at the heart of it, by the way, respect. A sacred respect for all of life. And so if you want a tangible sense of this universal love, because it's so pervasive and large, it can get rather abstract, be in touch with the vibration of respect and of sacredness of all of life. And you will, we will be really approaching that sensibility of universality of love. It it brings it down, if you will, to earth. It grounds the sense so it's not just floating in the air like a wild eyed concept. But when you think and feel respect for life, it starts to become very real and that's life throughout the universe, by the way. And our other brothers and sisters who are out there who may not look so much like us, but they are there, and they are watching us as we are seeking to watch them. That was another fun component of our Fion's panel on the nature of consciousness on Friday evening at Mark Becker's New Life Expo here in New York City at the hotel, by the way, that Nikolai Tesla dear man and brilliant thinker and inventor that he was actually died in. They have photographs of him downstairs at the New Yorker to this day. So, all credit to Tesla. And then, well, after we work out governance and cooperation among ourselves, talking among ourselves, using language and nonverbal communication as a means of settling uh, subjects of dispute and coming up with systems and structures of how to communicate. That's fantastic. And that happens after we have personal health, family health, friend community health, planetary health. Then we can really start to set up uh, because we're not harming others, we are in a non-violent non-harm space Um, from that place we can really clean up well, our mess, the pollution uh, the catalysts of global warming, preparing for wars is a huge chunk of our time and our energy and our money It's crazy. It's just the activation of the reptilian brain again. And it's deja vu all over again. (laughs) I thought we have been in war before. And if we were in war before, wasn't that enough? You know, uh, the first world war was called the Great War. And the war to end all wars. It was so painful. And so catastrophic. No one wanted to repeat it. Um oh ha hmm. huh. it was repeated it was repeated even bigger in World War two. It was repeated again with Vietnam and Somalia and the Middle East and Iraq and now Yemen and now South Africa was everywhere and gola. I mean, across the world, there are dozens upon dozens upon dozens. Like, what's this about? 21st century man? Well, so we have to move away from this headset that prepares for war, that allows for war at all. At all. So, I think we know. We want to think well. We want to think of each other with love and quoting His Holiness the Dalai Lama, who said that if we live a life of kindness to others, to sentient life, sentient beings, we will have lived a wonderful life. Now he didn't use the word wonderful, but that's a reasonable paraphrase. So we can, once we settle these types of outer matters, uh, deal with um, our own governance systems, structures, as I said, sustenance, economy, uh, social social entrepreneurship. Wow, this is cool. Kind and passionate capitalism in one form or another, and I would say socialism. I don't like the isms whatsoever, any of them, quite honestly. Uh, <clears throat> it starts to reify things and nominalize them and noun them in ways that I don't think should be because all of these are fluid and ever-changing and always being redefined. So it doesn't work. It doesn't really work. I just kind of threw it in so you could all have a, a quick understanding because it does have a certain linguistic convenience. But overarching and underlying all of this, my friends, is mind. The way our minds work and the way they don't, where they go, and where they don't, and what we need to do to remain aware of our minds, therefore, aware of our words and our actions. Our words are a form of action, by the way, and so if we watch for our actions through words, as well as even our emotional reactions that are nonverbal, but are clear, and even if they're not, we feel a certain kick, if you will, of a reaction with certain situations, with certain words, ideas, isms, and the like. And becoming aware of these, we begin to gain leverage over ourselves. And this, I will say, truly the key to the whole darn thing because even before we have an opinion, we can see our reaction and then we can review our reaction and review our opinion about whatever as we say in Brooklyn, whatever and so it's useful to think along these lines, now of course, you know really let's get real Our situation of global warming affecting, accelerating climate change leading to our current climate crisis eclipses all others. Because it does. If we don't have a planet to uh, inhabit, we're out of trouble. Plum luck out. So, making that top to me, in my hierarchy, is truly numero uno. And from there, these others are to be dealt with. Actually, top is mind. That's true. And I said that to Paul Hawkin, that the book drawdown brilliance as it is, a gift that it is, and guidebook that it is. I've sometimes been heard to call it uh, the modern day Bible, um, actually needs to have mind as the first item to be worked with and mollified and changed, shifted, transformed so that we as human beings stop thinking about earth as an it, as a resource uh, um, treasure chest for us to mine and extract and exploit, but rather as our mother, truly the way all indigenous people think. (sighs) If we did that, honestly, everything else would just harmonize. Everything else would fall into a natural resonance field and we wouldn't have to think about it. Well, I've covered a fair amount in a short amount of time. I am off back to the New Life Expo to moderate the panel on nutritional, uh, nutrition, and so I don't want to be late. I have to ride my bicycle through the wet rain, the cold rain on today's Sunday afternoon in New York, so wish me luck. I so appreciate all of you listening. Remember, we are a 501c3. Any any donation, contribution you can make to us, please just contact me first at my email address directly mjr at abetterworld.net that's mjr at abetterworld.net and we have a series of services, counseling, coaching individuals, couples, family uh, uh, computerized kinesiology, um, executive coaching as well harmonic energetic balancing, just contact us and glad to share the details. Thanks again for joining. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. I look forward to seeing you all next week.